Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another special episode. We're coming midweek, just before the Sixers game. My name is Iman, and I am joined by Katie. Katie, what is up? Not much, my friend. Just looking out on this gloomy day, thinking about the matchup to come tonight. <laughs> a home and home against the Sixers. And not like, you know, the home and home of yesteryears, which is a home and away, but like actually back to back. Like it feels like a mini playoff series. Are you a fan of that? It does. I feel like it's, well, I think it's to cut down on travel. Yeah. Uh, so I don't actually, I like that. Like, you know, I, I'm curious to see how that will actually kind of shake out league wide. I think for the certainly like in the Eastern Conference and for the Raptors and the Sixers, probably Raptors and Cavs too, it's going to incubate these rivalries, as you say, like a lot sooner. But like the kinds of playoff, maybe like I don't want to say animosity, but like intensity. The kind of, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> um, th- those like kind of mimic those kinds of feelings. So I'm for it. I I don't mind. Right. Like, I mean, if Caleb Martin didn't get suspended, you would have Christian Cloco and Caleb Martin going up against each other in the next game. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it's weird. But like, I I think there can be some benefits to it. Of course, the travel uh, is is a big one. But like, I also kind of hate it. I also like I like I'm like when you're done with the heat, I'm like, I don't want to see them again. You know, I just for that reason, I'm like, it sucks. But, you know, that's fine. All right, so the Raptors are <laughs> two and two to start. They just split uh, with Miami. Uh, any thoughts about sort of what what you saw in the early season? Um, I thought it's been a pretty interesting week. I have to say, um, I missed after the the opener. I like missed the next one, and then I caught up on the one after. But I was like, they're doing so well. Like, wait, <laughs> the record wasn't that great at that point. Um, but they've sort of come out of it. I think it's like been a good way to to see like how this team stacks up against teams that are like more um complete or are like a little like a later date of their iteration process like whatever they're yeah, coming like into further along mm-hmm. in the yeah yeah no, i think i agree with that i agree with that um it's it's been it's been such like i mean it's a week of basketball and there's like very little to sort of glean from a week of basketball yes. which is kind of what today's episode is really but we're going gonna to try about. We're going to try. We're going to try. But I think like two and two kind of feels like where the Raptors should be at. Mm -hmm. I I know that people are listening to that and probably going, no, they shouldn't have lost against the Nets. They could have taken that one against Miami. The Miami one scheduled loss. I don't care. Like Brooklyn to Miami is a far flight to play it on a back to back. You finish the game at like 1130. You get into Miami at like four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. I'm going to call it a scheduled loss. But um. I think one thing that's really stood out to me, and I guess I can ask you what stood out to you, is, is the play of Pascal Siakam. He mm-hmm. has just been unbelievable to watch. He came into the season saying that he wants to be top five, and I mean, he's I doing it that. on the court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you have sort of one takeaway of the early season? 
not one. I mean, Pascal has been just like, I really believed him when in everything that he was saying in media day. And then to see him kind of come out and play that way and, and play like, I think fairly consistently thus far, like even when we're talking about these early matchups being like a good barometer for just like how, to, how mismatchy things might be, might get for the team. I think precious Achua has been like another for me, like great, um, great surprise, you know, his rebounding, like that performance the other night, especially like, you know, I'd, I think you make a great point. Yeah, that might have been a scheduled loss against Miami, but Miami also comes out packing a punch oh, yeah. most of the time, even if they're like, there's something going on there that uh, they needed that, to win. Yeah, they, they not, did. Yeah, they, they were did. not and going to. They picked Toronto to like to pin that on. Um, but, you know, just the way he's kind of held up, I think um, he looks so much more sure of himself. I think he's much better in terms of just like his pacing and picking his spots and moments, like much better, like kind of letting the game come to him. Uh, as a younger player so like that's been that's been very cool for me to see if there's one thing that precious that you are sure of it's himself yes (laughs) (laughs) confidence (laughs) leaps and bounds of it um so okay so today's episode like i kind of hinted at is really going to be taking a look at predictions last Mm -hmm. week with yasmin i did an over and unders game where i created my own over and unders to see what we could have but this week we've got some more evidence we got we got a week of basketball but before we get to those i want to ask you after one week of basketball, what kind of predictions are oh you are you making for this <laughs> Toronto Raptors team? Maybe it could be a player. Maybe it could be, you know, Scotty Barnes, all-star, Precious Achua, 13 mall NBAs, Ryan Rosillo put out there. Did you see that tweet? Um, like, I did it. Have, That's okay. Have, <laughs> <laughs> do you have any early, uh, you know, maybe preseason, not preseason, but uh, one week into the season predictions? Yeah, why not, right? Um, <laughs> with all the evidence that we, that we have, uh, I'm gonna. This say, time last year, the Wizards were like three and zero. I know that this year too. <laughs> Much, yeah, true, but at least it's not uh, against Toronto yet. Um, yeah, I think, I think for me, like this here's like a real far off prediction, but I think for me, I, I would like, and I think this team won't be a first round playoff exit team. How about that? Maybe second round, but not first. Or championship. Sky's the limit. I hear I hear that they're they're making the finals. I love that prediction, Katie. I agree. Toronto Raptors finals fan. No, but I, I want winning a series is is going to be a really big one. And I think um like obviously it's way too early to sort of glean anything just yet. But mm-hmm. something that the Raptors really struggled with is their half-court offense, and it's continued to struggle this season as well. Something that we'll talk a bit about. Um, but Pascal Siakam. You know, people have talked about him needing to develop a face-up game, him needing to have a footwork. Can the Raptors sort of find some sort of offense in the clutch? And Pascal has been like, yeah, give me the ball. Mm -hmm. Or like, I'm going to get to the free throw line. Or like, I'm going to show some insane footwork. Like, just the shot-making ability has been fantastic. And then that inverted pick and roll with Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam, my absolute favorite play that the Raptors throw out. Um, You know, continuation of the Fred Van, uh, or sorry, the Kyle Lowry Pascal Siakam Mm -hmm. has has shown itself in the early seasons. And that's an automatic bucket, too. So, you know, I I kind of like the the Raptors winning a round. I kind of like that prediction. Also, the East is kind of shaky. The East is, I mean, it's pretty stacked. I'd say like Sixers top, scare me. I thought yeah. that they would be really, really good. 
they have not been really, really good. Joel Embiid might be dealing with plantar fascia. I don't know if I know how to pronounce that. I think you got uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I just think of Brooke Lopez, which like I, I just think of the Brooklyn Nets from a million years ago. Mm-hmm. But um, any thoughts about like the Eastern Conference? I know we're sort of going off the script a little bit, but. No, it's good. Um, <laughs> I like the East. I think it's kind of interesting that the East is just looking a lot more complete than the West. Uh, like even going into the season, I, I did think that it's kind of proving to be the case uh, early on. I think what's interesting to me is a lot of the big question marks for for most teams is still like are still kind of hanging over them. Like, it, yeah. I feel like we're going to be saying this a lot for this episode, but like, yes, it's still early, but you know, like question marks around the Sixers. I kind of look, I kind of wonder um, for the Bucks too, like what. They yeah. played two games. I feel like they're not yeah. even in the league. Like when was the last time that <laughs> I watched that the Bucks too. game? Yeah. We touched on Miami. Like it doesn't feel like that team. I don't know. Like, so, I mean, you, they lost They've PJ Tucker. Yeah. But and like, that it, is felt. It, it's felt, but it like, it shouldn't. I love PJ Tucker. So I'm like, of course it was, but like in a way with that team, it shouldn't have been felt as much or they should have figured out how to kind of, you know, figure that out like that loss out in the, in the summer. So um, I think that is is stacked and kind of intriguing as the East is. I obviously like, I love the Cavs, big Jared Allen supporter and fan. I think uh, Donovan Mitchell's fitting in a lot better than I thought he would, especially like right off the bat. Um, it's going to be a really fun season, but there's going to be a lot of jockeying, I think, like for oh. position. I don't think it's going to be like one to five set, you know, for like any long period of time. That's true. Especially like the Wizards, honestly, like I, I think yeah. looking at the West, it was like, you know, if the Blazers decide to do something a well, lot, play in spot kind of gets a little bit tricky. Maybe the Kings, maybe the Blazers, the Lakers are going to on the outs unless they make a move. And then in the Eastern Conference, it's like, I don't know how much you buy into what the Wizards are doing. Um, or, you know, like the Pistons have looked, the Pistons have had their moments. It just kind of feels yes. like it's like this a little bit with them. Um, but like, I, I don't know that I trust that team to really do anything. The Magic are maybe the second oddliest built team mm-hmm. next to the Toronto Raptors. Um, so like, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Eastern Conference, but let's focus in on the Toronto Raptors. Now this is a segment that I thought would be a lot of fun. And so I would talk about, uh, I'm going to throw some early season Raptor trends at you. And I want okay. you to predict, look into that crystal ball that tells you the Raptors are going to win the first round. Okay. And tell me if you think that these will persist continue out throughout the season all right okay ready let's do it okay so first one pascal siakam he has been an absolute killer like i said he his numbers right now i think he's averaging 27 10 and 7 or something Mm -hmm. ridiculous um has been absolutely stellar one thing that he's really done to drive his points per game is get to the free throw line though he hasn't been great when he's there making them is a different story but he's been getting there he is averaging over eight free throw attempts per game 8.3 currently do you think that that keeps up moving forward i think uh like the past pascal siakam overall the force of pascal siakam as we're going to talk about him this season yes i absolutely think that continues um can i make it more specific do you think that he will continue to average over eight free throws a game? Okay, to get to the free, f- I was gonna. Okay, okay. Sorry. Try and neatly get into that. Ah, no, it's okay. okay. I like the specificity. Um, I do because it doesn't to, to me. It just means he's showing a lot more confidence 
in his game. I don't want to say selling it because it's like, you know, some of those I think are warranted calls, but it's like in the past with Pascal Siakam, there was sometimes a little bit of a question of like finishing, you know, or kind of like, like following through and like playing the, the, the playthrough or just like really being intentional. Yeah. Uh, especially at the offensive end. And to me, him getting to the line so much just speaks to him actually doing that more. Um, so yeah, because like, to me, that's all tied up in confidence. So absolutely. I do think that will continue. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see him sort of shirking, you know, the contact and kind of moving his body in a way to sort of avoid that he wants to get there. And I think that that's an important part because sometimes a big, especially when they start shooting, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I imagine that his free throw percentage will go up I don't think that he's going to shoot you know what is it like 50 60 percent from the free throw yeah. line moving forward but um a lot of times we've seen it when guys are that bad from the free throw line may start to lose confidence and don't want to get there cough Ben Simmons cough um so like to see him continue to be aggressive and get there I think is really important so I agree with you on that I think that that will continue so are you saying over eight because eight is a lot uh, it is a lot we're eight. getting into DeMar DeRozan territory yeah we are um I mean because to me another thing is that it's also a respect thing mm-hmm. so it's that he's also being seen as this kind of like uh, all-star caliber player um eight does feel <laughs> like a lot it's generous let's say between six and eight between i think that can continue eight. okay okay yeah, yeah. I, I like that so more than he's ever had in his career because yeah. prior to that he's only done about five okay i like that i like that um all right so the second one the raptors when I wrote this out for you, we were the 11th ranked defense, but the way that the NBA is moving right now, they're currently the 10th ranked defense in the league. Um, and my question is, do you think that that will continue? Do you think the Raptors will be a top 10 defense by the time the season is done? Or do you think they'll fall out? And actually, I mean, depending on your answer, it might make that a little bit trickier for y'all. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> this isn't why I agreed <laughs> to come on. Come on. Um, I actually uh, was a little bit dubious of the Raptors defensive strategies going into the season, just because of how they kind of looked in seasons like, um, well, Tampa was its own thing. And then immediately following definitely a lot more solid last season. Yeah. Never heard of her. Um, her. Oh, the Scotty Barnes getting year. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 That's, (laughs) that's how we refer to that year from now on. Um, But I think they can't, fallout this is where nick nurse like stakes pretty much his entire coaching identity right and like this is how the team has sort of staked its identity even if they haven't always backed it up it's still this scene as this kind of like backbone of the toronto raptors so they can't actually afford to fall out uh i think of top 10 i'd say even like top i mean they want like top five but i'd say even like yeah top seven top eight okay because that, that was gonna be me making it harder is like if you said yes to top 10 which i kind of feel like is an amazing one uh top five <laughs> um not i would say probably not Six. until yeah end of december early january like there's some things okay. that really need to clarify that i think will be more clarified with like lineups getting uh kind of pinned down but yeah it's gonna take a little while i think you yeah you you definitely see it early on and that's kind of the way that Nignor sort of it's it's incredibly aggressive um and you know when there are misses they're felt I think more than any other team because of how aggressive it is and you just sort of notice that um but last year but what I found really interesting when I was going through the numbers from 41 games onward so halfway through the season at the mm-hmm. 41 game mark the Raptors for the second half of the season so 41 games onwards 
had the fourth ranked defense in the league. They were really, really, really good from that point. Now, if you go down to like, you know, 50, it gets, it goes to fifth and sixth because like <laughs> things start to like, OG starts to miss some time and Fred starts to miss some time. Mm-hmm. We can get up there. Um, but I-, I thought that was really interesting. 41 games, so halfway through the season, exactly split fourth ranked defense, which is why I was going to say, you think fifth could be in the cards? Is that your crystal ball tell us? That it could be a scenario. Yeah. And I mean, I would love it if they surpass that. But I I think it's got to be. Top one? Top two and not two, Katie? <laughs> I think it's got to be top five. Like, it, it kind of has to be. Right? This ex- this experiment. For, to, for this experiment to no longer seem an experiment and to seem legitimized, I think it's got to be. Yeah. My my hot take on dishes uh, with Sandy was that they're going to be top three. <laughs> There we go. Just very, very, very bold. And my reason for that was like Robert Williams is going to miss a lot of time for yeah. the Celtics to start the early year. Um, I think the, the Bucks are an older team. And I think we're, you know, they're the oldest team in the league. Mm-hmm. Middleton, Drew Holly. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Day and Brooke Lopez are probably going to miss more time. Draymond is so integral to what the Warriors do and who like, it was the beginning of the season. I don't know what was happening with the Warriors and the punches that were being thrown. And so it's just sort of looking and also JJJ for the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So looking at the teams, PJ Tucker for the Heat, looking at the teams that were higher than the Raptors last year, I was like, they're all out of here. Um, and so I thought, you know, the Raptors could be top three. And that also requires a lot of help for the Raptors. It requires mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi and Precious and Pascal to all stay healthy and uh, Nick Nurse is doing everything in his power to play them as many minutes as possible. (laughs) So currently there are three Toronto Raptors in the top 10 of minutes. Actually, three Toronto Raptors in the top five. They're third, fourth, and fifth. And that is Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., and Pascal Siakam all Mm -hmm. playing over 38 minutes per game. Do you think that that is a trend that will continue? Yes. Like, don't even need to think about that one. Um, like, if they drop, it'll be to, like, 35 and a half minutes. Like, like it's not going to be that substantial be enough. That a reprieve for them. Yeah, that is a vacation. Yeah, they'll be. that'll be a nice cakewalk for them. No, I think, um, I mean, I think a lot of this comes down to 
conditioning, obviously. And also just like what they're used to, you know, like I, if they can handle the minute load and definitely those three can, um, then I don't see why Nick Nurse would walk it back. I think he's like, you know, that whole coaching staff is also very much of like, you don't get, you don't get stuck with the minutes. Like you earn the minutes, Yeah, you know, and like, that is what they're always kind of preaching to the younger guys and the newer guys on the roster. So as of right now, nobody else has maybe quote earned those minutes. Um, but I, I think it's a mix of both, but yeah, that's a, that's a trend. That's a very tiring trend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to probably continue. And Masai Jiri kind of makes the point where, and you talked about it, just the conditioning mm-hmm. when it comes time for playoffs, when it comes time for them to win at least that first round that we're predicting here, you've written it's in stone right now, Katie, as soon as you said that, um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's going to require your starters to play heavy minutes to win mm-hmm. playoff games. It's something that we've seen, you know, teams like the Bucks have struggled with just in terms of like not having the conditioning to, you know, you play 35 games throughout the season. Now the playoffs come playing 45 games is going to be really, really difficult to do. It's something that, but there's a balance because we've mm-hmm. also seen James Harden play 45 minutes per game. You know, obviously I'm exaggerating, but the playoffs come around and he doesn't have the legs and he doesn't have the body. So it will be an interesting balancing act. And I agree with you. It does require the other guys to earn their minutes. Nick mm-hmm. Nurse is not just going to give them up. Malachi Flynn, in my opinion, has been earning some minutes. He's another bright spot that I just wanted to mention today. <laughs> another bright spot for the Raptors, which will also come to be very important in the playoffs, is the three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Three-point shooting has been something that we're all sort of talking about when it comes to this team, because naturally there aren't very many guys that you look at as elite three-point shooters. And yet... And yet the Raptors are top five in the league in terms of three point percentage. And it's not like they're not taking threes. They're around league average. They're tied with 18th in terms of three point attempts at 32.3. So not that far off from like, you know, the 15th ranked team, which is like 34. So roughly around that part, Mm -hmm. top five in percentage. Do you think that that is statistic that'll keep up? Um. I do actually, I was talking about this with Sean Woodley a little bit earlier, um, but the point was brought up that, you know, we haven't even seen Otto Porter Jr. come in really and take any three-point shots. I haven't seen Juancho Hernan Gomez take any shots. Like this is just from your main producers and like Otto Porter Jr. is a shooter, right? Like, yeah, he's like a veteran, but like, that's what he what did he's here for. Yeah. <laughs> on all of uh, his teams previously, like that is what he's here for. And if they don't even feel the need to like have him come in yet and do those things, then to me, I think this is, um, this is a pretty lasting stat. It's, it's like, it can feel, I think as a Raptors fan and like Raptors, a person who's watched and like covered the team for a while, it can feel like a nervous stat to kind of hang your hat on. (laughs) Like it doesn't feel like it should last, but I mean, they've been trying to build up shooters in this team for years now. Uh, I believe, I believe in Gary Trent Jr. Um, I thought like, I don't know, like, yeah, Pascal's looked a bit like his numbers are not great. So I could imagine that they would come up Mm -hmm. that I think that bodes well for like what this Raptors team can look like. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, it's where you also want to go. So it's not so bad to, to think aspirationally, right? Because like, this is actually the missing, one of the missing pieces that this team needed for such a long time. So like, 
why not now? You know, everybody was working on it in the off season. It was like the one thing that you need to, as like a modern day NBA player, be able to add to your game, at least with some proficiency, Yeah, you know, some level of regularity. Um, and I think like they went, everybody went away in the summer and did that. So I agree. I, I'm. I here's the thing. Right, currently they're shooting forty point three percent. Do I think that they'll continue <laughs> to shoot forty percent? No, but yes. it's early in the season, and no team in the top five is going to shoot. You know, the forty to fifty percent that everyone's at currently. Um, but I I do agree with you. And a, another stuff that I thought was really interesting is ninety four percent. The Raptors lead the league currently in catch and shoot threes, and that's why I think the numbers kind of, um. I, I think they can sort of sustain. I don't know that like even top five, maybe like in the top 10, right? Like yeah. being a good three-point shooting team as opposed to being a terrible one is because they're taking a lot of catch and shoot opportunities. There aren't a lot of guys that are going to be taking it off the dribble. I think the Raptors trust Fred to do that. I think they trust Gary to to do that in, in situations. And like, you know, Pascal's probably going to have a lot of opportunities to do that just because he has the ball in his hands so much. Mm-hmm. But they currently lead the league in catch and shoot threes. It's 94%. So like when you think about nearly every single three that they're taking is a catch and shoot opportunity and OG, Fred, Gary, these are really great three-point shooters. Mm -hmm. I I think it makes sense that the Raptors are actually shooting it at a high percentage. And I would imagine that that would carry over if this sort of diet of offense moves forward as well. Yeah. And I think it speaks to like a lot of really good ball movement, which we have seen more like and that's always so generative of the offense for the Raptors like when that gets stagnant all these numbers fall off so I like the way that those two things kind of speak to each other um I'm with you it's like yeah we could top 10 feels great like if we can stay top 10 wonderful yeah the 40 percent is not gonna stay well you're yeah. gonna finish as the top <laughs> team in the league uh but like it yeah I, I, the ball movement has been really great and i think that also comes down to like just how great pascal and fred have been because they do get double teamed quite a bit right we've seen that mm-hmm. with pascal teams really trying to shut him out which helps him get to the free throw line a bit but also like helps him find the open man like, I can't tell you how many games, and it kind of feels like, you know, I, I hear people talking about OG Ananobi not getting more involved, and I do want him more involved in the actions, but he is just out there spacing the floor. There needs to be a man on OG out there, and if there isn't, the ball will get swung to him, and he will make that three. Mm-hmm. Like, his presence on the Raptors, even if they're not felt in terms of the raw numbers, is there on the court every single night, and it's there in the Raptors' shooting percentage because when Pascal gets doubled, that ball is going to find the open man. And if that open man is facing for you, that's going to be a catch and shoot three-point attempt. And there's a reason why the Raptors lead the league in catch and shoot threes. And there's a reason why they're they're so high in terms of the three-point percentage because catch mm-hmm. and shoot are the best three to take, right? Like if you're out in the corner and you're just catching and shooting, that is an efficient shot every single time. Mm-hmm. And OG loves that corner spot. He really does. He really does. And sometimes you're like, oh, he's just getting lost there. He's just, you know, standing in the corner and you want him to get more involved. But he really, like, that spacing is integral to what the Raptors do. Mm-hmm. That, like, yeah, I want him more involved too. But I think his role maybe seems a little bit more um, diminished when it's, and, and maybe it is in terms of, like, what he can do. But it's still so vital and integral to what the Raptors' offense is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the thing, not to get too heavy into this, but I think yeah. the thing that happens with um, conversations around OG Ananobi and what makes it tough is like he's, he and we have seen, you know, his uh, teammates take these big leaps in their career. So of course there is an expectation. It's like, well, when's like, what's, what, what is OG going to be? Whereas like, he's, he's such an important part of the team, his progress, like he's a very good 
basketball player. His progress has been pretty steady considering like the actual amount of games he's had in his career, which is less than his teammates, you know, due to injury and other like personal circumstances. So I think I don't, I think uh, we expect these leaps and we are lucky to have had those leaps with like Pascal Siakam um, with Scotty Barnes, you know, Fred Van Vliet, like, you know, we we've become used to it. It's like, it doesn't diminish OG Ananobi's like skill or game or the progress that he's made in my, in my mind. Like he's a perfectly good, great basketball player. Yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic. I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. Um, now, something that I found was really interesting, I, I think a lot of the points that I'm bringing up are, are great Raptor points, right? Like the fact that they're top five in three-point attempts and we didn't expect it. The fact that Pascal is taking eight free throws uh, per game and we didn't expect it. Um, but this one is kind of odd because when you look at what the Raptors did last year is they hit a bunch, they got a bunch of second chance opportunities. That mm-hmm. is what their offense was really predicated on getting, you know, transition opportunities and second chance opportunities. They haven't been doing that very much this year they're currently where are they um they're currently 15th so just mm-hmm. middle of the pack just a middle of the pack team and here's the thing that might not seem bad but if you were the raptors that's not great because that is such a large part of what your offense is so my question to you do you think you can take a look in your crystal ball does that continue for the toronto raptors this season it's kind of interesting because it's like if you're making all these three-point shots mm-hmm. um and catch and shoot threes to your point do you need to give something else up? I don't know. This is like an offensive quandary, right? Yeah. Um, like perfect world. No, you don't give anything up and you get the, you convert like all those second chance points. Right. And then you're just laughing. But I wonder if that isn't something to do with it, at, at least with the kind of like, um, like intensity offensive rebounding. I mean, yeah. like, to see what Precious Ajua has done with rebounding, fantastic. The The question, of course, is like, yeah, how do you convert those rebounds uh, into points? But I, so that's why I don't think this will last just because it's a bit of a, it seems to me a bit of a wrinkle that they'll have to figure out. And because, you know, as we said earlier, you can't rely, like the three-point shooting is going to go cold or just like even itself out at some point. Yeah. So you can't give up these other opportunities Perhaps not shooting for scoring. 50% from yeah, like this is your, you know, this is as like a, a pest team and like this is your bread and butter. It's like getting, getting those offensive rebounds and second chance points. So um, I don't think it will continue. I, I agree with that. I mean, the Raptors were second last year, just yeah. behind Memphis, and now they're 15th. Um, and they're, they were second in offensive rebounds last year as well, just behind Memphis. <laughs> and now they're 21st, which, like, to your point, yeah, they're hitting some outside shots. Uh, you know, long shot, long long rebound. What's, what, how does the saying go? Um, but I agree. I think that they're – I think we're going to see a more sort of aggressive Toronto Raptors on the class. It's great that they got Ken Birch back, who I think mm-hmm. just has – one of um you know the most skilled sort of knacks for knowing where that ball is going to be especially offensive rebounds and being able to grab it and Chris Boucher is back <laughs> I mm-hmm. think that's going to really help a lot because you know sometimes you're like why aren't guys boxing anyone out Chris Chris Boucher is here and he'll certainly do that sort of dirty grunge work of boxing people out and making sure that the rebounds come so uh, I agree with you I think in terms of like you know the shots not falling as much and the Raptors kind of getting more into a flow as soon as they get some more of their rotational guys back mm-hmm. because I think we haven't truly seen that even though your starting five is back and even though the Raptors have most of the continuity I feel like you know Precious is in a different role than he was last year Scotty's in a different role than he was last year um 
And so like getting the sort of, you know, Boucher's and Ken Birch's who have a set role on this team and getting mm-hmm. them back in, I think kind of sets the hierarchy of what the Raptors rotation really looks like. Mm-hmm. Um and finally, the last one, talking about Scotty Barnes. So I I um I threw out game three, his third game of the season, because he mm-hmm. got injured and it brought his numbers down and I didn't like that. So we're gonna focus specifically on the two games that he was healthy for. Um he averaged five assists. And we talked about Scotty having a different role. Part of that mm-hmm. role is to be a secondary ball handler, you know, kind of your backup point guard, starting center backup point guard. What can't he do? Um, and and that's going to be playmaking. So what do you think? Do you think that that five assists, do you think it's real? Uh, do you think that that will continue? Will, will Scotty finish with five assists uh, this season? I do. I mean, and if we're talking into existence, Scotty Barnes all-star, um, it's got to continue, right? He's got to show that he's that kind of well-rounded uh, player, I think, you know, where you've seen like the dip of maybe like someone like Fred Van Vliet shooting, I, you can attribute that to Scotty Barnes, like handling the ball more, being more of a playmaker. I like it. It feels, um, surprising as uh, how comfortable it appears to be for him. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think this one can stay. And because it's like, what's realistic for Scotty Barnes to make like his next jump. Yeah. It seems like this is a pretty easy, like low hanging fruit for him to get. This is, yeah, this definitely has to be what it is. And just sort of looking at the numbers last year, Scotty was fifth in terms of usage on this Raptors team. Mm-hmm. It was every single starter before him. So he was like just fifth place, the last starter. And currently he's second in terms of his usage behind Pascal Siakam. That is a major, major jump. The ball is in his hands more. He's being asked to do a lot more. Um, And those hybrid lineups really do start with what Scotty's able to do. His connection with OG has just been fantastic this year. Oh, I love it. Uh, It's been so great. (laughs) Even like just in the last game, I was like, OG really isn't getting as involved. And I'm like, oh, because Scotty is the one who gets in the ball every single time. Like, Mm -hmm. I I would love to take a look at like how many of OG's shots have just been Scotty assisted. But I think that that sort of dynamic really works as your play starter and your play finisher. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I agree. I think that Scotty's going to continue to get five assists. I think he's going to average 45 points a game and um, get like 30 rebounds and be um, the greatest basketball player of all time. Super realistic. Very practical. Yeah. Goals. If I'm going to be wrong, I might as well go be wrong big, you know? Yeah. I don't know why five assists is going wrong big. Because the truth will assists. fall somewhere in the middle, you know, and then it'll seem like still like a, what a great surprise. And it's not 40. Oh, maybe it's 20. That's great. <laughs> it's up. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that it was going up. <laughs> thank you so much, Katie, for joining me. And thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share with your friends, do all that good stuff and have a great day. 